Hi, everybody, and welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. I am Nick Flanagan, king of my castle. My castle is a room with paintings of monks, with uh, the scream mask, with a rubber chicken, with a television, with video games that are covered by a dust cover. Uh, these are just some of the wild things that I've got going on in my castle, and I'm the king of that castle. Thanks, everybody, who watched me record an episode live on uh, Facebook Live and on YouTube yesterday. Really great to be part of the new technology revolution. There's no better feeling than starting a podcast in 2019, which I believe is actually I started. Yes, I, I started in 2018. So I'm ahead of the curve. Uh, there's nothing quite like entering one of the most crowded, low paying industries since stand-up comedy well into its maturity. Podcasting right now is basically the same age that uh, it could go to war. Actually, just did, well, the internet just turned 30. How old did podcasting turn? Hmm. Whatever happened to patent trolls? Remember when that was a thing? That was for my people who listened to WTF back in the day. Yesterday, I talked about ADHD and uh, this book that uh, specifically is about women with ADHD and uh, things they can do. But honestly, most of it would apply to anyone. And there's lots that doesn't apply to single women. You know, it's like, okay, when your kid wants a peanut butter sandwich and you forgot to buy peanut butter, what are you going to do? And like, that's important for kids, people with kids. But it's not so important for uh, people who don't have them, which is me and a lot of women these days. You know, I kind of hate it when, when I, I'm speaking to a lady and they say, oh, I'm, I'm 45. I can't have a child. Sure you can. Haven't you heard the expression, God finds a way? Life finds a way. Maybe that's the expression. Jurassic Park. Haven't you watched Jurassic Park lately? Maybe that's the reason you're not fertile. You're not watching enough JP. Every year, January 1st, sit down, watch Jurassic Park, learn about it. And, you know, I don't mention Jurassic Park uh, loosely. <laughs> I don't think that's the word I'm thinking of. But loosely, I don't bring it up willy-nilly. I bring up Jurassic Park because that's a story about these ancient creatures... So old, you'd think they couldn't have a baby, and yet they do. Ancient creatures able to reproduce. Jurassic Park teaches us a lesson about being able to have children at any age. Pow! I just peed my diaper. That's my new... Today's episode of Nick Flanagan Weekly It's sponsored by... Hundreds of thousands of ants. Tomorrow's episode of Nick Flanagan Weekly will be sponsored by millions of ants. The ants just keep growing in number until one day everything will be consumed by them. Put in uh, promo code 
Nick Fears Ants at ants.com. And uh, that's A-N-T-Z, like the movie, or A-N-T-Z, if you're into that sort of thing. And um, just uh, put in the promo code, and then some some ants will consume you. <laughs> but if you put in the promo code, more ants will consume you than someone who didn't put in the promo code. So, yes, I was talking about the ADHD stuff in women yesterday. Uh, but that's not what I'm talking about today. I want to talk about self-medicating with ADHD or whatever disorder you have. Is doing stand-up comedy a form of self-medication? Think about it. Learn about it. I don't know if it is. Frankly, it's one. Of, if it is a form of self-medication, it's stand-up comedy is one of those forms of self-medication that uh, needs a cure of itself. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think I have a theory with, uh, attention. This is Nick Flanagan weekly, by the way. Uh, it's a podcast hosted by me, Nick Flanagan. I have a V I have a VHS player slash television in my room. I'm, uh, I think I'm 67 years old. I've kind of lost track of my age. I live in Toronto, Ontario. That's where I'm from. I've also been in Los Angeles for pe long periods of, uh, of time. I was bullied by the entertainment industry. Much like this guy who's getting in trouble now for jokingly saying he had sex with a cat. That noise was my Bluetooth speaker crapping out. Don't buy him. Don't buy a Bluetooth speaker. It's just, it's like buying a bunch of uh, baby wipes. It's just a useless, buy a normal speaker. You know how many hundreds of thousands of used Bluetooth speakers are probably in the ocean being swallowed by narwhals as we speak and manatees being poisoned by all these Bluetooth speakers? I did like LA. Somebody is asking me, did I like LA? I've been visiting there for a long time. I've gotten used to how it is. I had to move because America is hard to live in. I had to move because America it, it can be punitive. And by America, I only mean the large places. I've been to many of the smaller places. Those are cool too. They seem chiller, but possibly more racist. Some of them. Not all. Do you self-medicate your disorders? Let me know what you use. I feel like when somebody tells me they're, as we say in Toronto, chronic. Yo, that person's chronic still. When people say they're chronic, I go, oh, what do you have going on? What are you trying to, what are you keeping a cap on? And I think with anything that's a problem, I, uh, uh, mentally or otherwise, it's not a problem until it, it gets in the way of your life. If something is ma managed from whether it's fear of heights, ADD, uh, fear of germs, as long as it's not keeping you from the outside world from living your best life, then you don't have to worry about it.
And uh, so if you solve your attention deficit hyperactive disorder via, you know, um, doing Sudokus every day and that helps you focus, you don't need to go on drugs. You don't need to see a psychiatrist. If you get taught early on that it's fine and it's uh, how to manage it, then then you're good. You don't need to go on the stimulants necessarily, but if it's the stimulants that get you managing it, it's the stimulants that get you managing it. And that's these things about ADD I've read a million times. You know, they go, cocaine just makes you feel normal. If you're on AD, if you have ADD and you take cocaine and it makes you feel normal, that means you maybe you, you should always do cocaine. It doesn't recommend that you always do cocaine, but I guess it's saying that it's in the same vein of things that uh, the stimulants act like. I don't know. I've uh, never done cocaine, but allegedly, if I did. I don't know. It gave me, it seemed, would have given me the feeling that maybe everybody would have on it, which is sort of a, a combination of uh, sadness, uh, overconfidence, and uh, really trying to make the most of the moment, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and then weed, I guess, if if your mind is hyper, the idea is that it might quiet your mind but I, I i don't know if, if that's true either if that's something that happens to you I, for for me it's just the main thing is i don't know why not to do something if that makes any sense saying no is the issue rather than any specific self-medication like if you just go hey you want to eat this uh, tub of ribs? And my mind is just spiraling because of racing thoughts, dissatisfaction, worried about how I smell. Well, I'll eat those ribs. And the same thing could happen if you say, hey, you want to drink this drink? You want to... Uh, you want to throw... You want to throw these rocks at the wall? I'm just saying. My problem isn't any one self-medication. It's just the urge to do anything to relieve anxiety. I do think that there's a lot of non-doctor prescribed things that are great, that, that work for people. But it's trial and error, and it's not supervised. Unless you have some sort of shaman working with you. But it better be a real shaman and not one of these false shamans. You know, those guys and gals who just tell you, hey, drink this barf potion and uh, you're going to you're gonna be at peace with your father and mother. And then you drink the barf potion and the next thing you know, you're convulsing on the floor and the EMS has arrived. But it's in a dark cave in Peru, so there is no EMS. And then you pass away. So you got to, if you are doing trial and error, self-medicating without a doctor, I would say don't. And definitely don't do it with a false shaman. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I feel like I'm, 
I'm learning a lot right now, and the hardest thing to do seems to be to sit with ourselves without, uh, without touching something else, you know, just to go, I'm okay. Because like, every time I want to do something, it's generally because I'm not feeling right inside feeling restless worry pops up so it's quite nice to even have moments where you're like okay with yourself that's not to say just sit still for the rest of your life that seems like a form of self-medication as well paralysis of which i've enjoyed moments of myself enjoyed being the wrong word but i've uh, experienced but the idea that something is like really a choice and not um, a magnetic impulse that's like you have to do in your mind because you're really trying to block out some other stuff. Uh, that's awesome. Like you want to look at that cocaine and say, I really want to do it. I know I'm not just doing this because I got nothing to do. I want to do it. But of course you shouldn't because it's illegal. And that's self-medicating <laughs> with ADHD. I mean, I think with adults who have it, that's very common. Uh, undiagnosed, you know? You just spend years being like, why am I so open to just, like, doing whatever? And it's because it might slow your brain down. It might make you forget about the times you've disappointed people. It might uh, uh, give you a confidence or self-esteem that you didn't have because of failures in school or failures in love failures in life r.i.p uh, <laughs> i'm not trying to say the voice i just used inspired me here but r.i.p to andre williams the great soul singer r.i.p to the wonderful soul singer andre williams look up, look this guy up just an incredible live performer. And I saw this guy when he was like 70 or 65. Formative. In my formative years, I would see this suited. He was a, he was a down and dirty soul singer. He wrote some really neat songs uh, in, the, in the 60s. I think even in the 50s. Born in 1934 and seemed to be pretty hard living. And he died in his 80s. Hopefully he wasn't in pain throughout his 80s. But, uh, yeah, Andre Williams, what a singer. What an amazing performer. There was another guy named Nathaniel, uh, I can't remember his name. That guy was amazing, too. There was this weird period in the late 1990s, early 2000s, where these like old soul singers sort of became part of the garage rock scene and you'd see them live in small venues. Sharon Jones was kind of of that ilk. And then later on that, uh, Bradley, Bella Bradley was, was the same kind of thing. It's, it, it's a really lucky and incredible element of our cursed culture that we live in now. And Andre Williams was so inspiring, so cool, wore suits at sweaty shows. And one time I was in a band, we were called the killer elite. And we, we played a show at the Elma Combo in Toronto, the legendary Elma Combo venue. 
Legendary! That was a Neil Hamburger impression that went terribly wrong. Legendary! I used to be able to do a Neil Hamburger impression, and now I'm just bastardizing his voice. We played at the Elma Combo Tavern. Our band was super aggressive, rock and roll, but like Stooges-style rock and roll. Soulful. <laughs> An attempt at being soulful. Or something. Feeling it. 70s-ish rock. But not like lunk-headed rock, like Stooges-style. Y'all know Iggy Pop? And we were playing, and Andre Williams was... I think he had a backing band called The Strap for a long period of time, who were a Toronto band. So he was probably practicing with them. And uh, we played, and he was in the audience, and he was rocking out to us. We were like, Andre Williams is enjoying this stuff? That's amazing. And he got on stage. I think the other singer of the band, Mike, my friend, uh, guy who's been very helpful for me uh, since getting back to Toronto. Mike's been really amazing. And uh, Mike brought Andre Williams on stage in his suit. He looked like he wasn't 100% certain of where he was, but he came on stage. He sang something into the mic, and then he got... Oh, and then if, to the crowd, he goes, White ain't light. And boy, did that mean a lot to us at that time. Now I'm like, I don't know what that means. But at that time, we were like, yeah, man, white's heavy. We're heavy whites. Now I don't know if a heavy white is even a thing. Heavy white champion of the world. Uh, I've been watching a lot of The Sopranos. Does anyone want to talk to me about The Sopranos? Email weeklypodcast at gmail.com. W-E-A-K-L-Y. W-E-A-K-L-Y. The Sopranos. Tell me what you think. Tell me how you self-medicate. Tell me your name. I do not accept anonymous emails. Anywho, I've been watching The Sopranos lately because a very nice person, by the way, R.I.P. Andre Williams, he passed away. I know I said that a moment ago, but I want to take a second. I'm going to go back. Before I talk about the Sopranos, I want to finish one last thing about Andre Williams. The best Andre Williams show I saw was at the Elma Combo upstairs with a band called The Sadies backing him. Sean Dean, Mike Bolitsky, Dallas and Travis Good. Wonderful band. Really, one of the coolest things Canada has produced is the band The Sadies. And they did an album backing Andre Williams. They did all these albums that are really interesting. They did an album with uh, um, Rick White and, and Greg from Blue Rodeo. That was The Unintended. And they did a record uh, with John Spencer as well. So The Sadies are just so awesome. Anyway, The Sadies played with Andre Williams. It was so cool. Andre Williams was kick-ass and uh, just just so it, he, he was playing over sort of goth country sounds. And that was just really exciting to me. 
and and uh, he had this. You know, they were playing almost like, you know, like Lee Hazelwood type of music, like you know, dark twangy '60s sort of style. And he had a song that was like, "I'm looking down at you, looking up at me," and it was so creepy. And I, I just thought it was really cool that Andre Williams was capable of being this kind of like soul singer, good times guy, but he was also really able to do this kind of sinister thing. I was very impressed. Okay, getting back to The Sopranos. I'm going to leave soon, so I don't want to go too deep into discussing The Sopranos, but I love The Sopranos. And The Sopranos, The Sopranos, I always rewatch it every few years. And I got to give you a tip on how to watch The Sopranos because too many times have I talked to people and they'll say, "Uh, I couldn't get through The Sopranos. I couldn't get past the first season of Sopranos. It's like I'm it's like I'm living in the bad part of the 90s. Well, part of that show is about the bad part of the 90s. You know what I'm saying? But here is the way to make it work. Do not, under any circumstances, watch season one of The Sopranos first. Read a summary of season one, start at season two. There's all kinds of cool stuff in season two. And it might have that dated feeling at first. There's a couple dud episodes, but you can get through season two and you'll be super stoked. And once you get to season three, well, that's that's the meat of it. That's probably the best season of the show in my mind. Season three is just so incredible. And uh, that's when you start to fall in love with these char loathsome characters. But you start to get into it and the acting really starts to stand out. James Gandolfini and Edie Falco in particular. You're like, yeah, I, I'm watching it. This is probably the fourth time I'm, I've been watching. I've watched the whole thing and it's uh, there's a lot of people rewatching it right now, but someone has said that to me. It seems like everyone's rewatching The Sopranos right now. And I mean, what's so incredible about the series is it's not that this is a special time where everyone's watching The Sopranos. It's just like at any given moment, there are some people in the world rewatching all of The Sopranos. It's it's that good. It's a little nihilistic, or dark, or bleak, or something, and that can be a bit much, but. It's also about things that are uh, meaningful, and and there is, and it's kind of about how life is for the living. Uh, it's just so deep, and it sucks so bad that James Gandolfini died for the sake of this movie that's going to come out. Because I don't know if this movie's going to be good. It was originally just called Newark. I'm talking about the Sopranos prequel that's coming out, by the way. In case you didn't know, there is a Sopranos prequel coming out. It was originally called Newark, and now it's called The Many Saints of Newark. Could be good. But I don't know. Ray Liotta's in it. I'm not really that into Ray Liotta these days. And then James Gandolfini's son is playing a young Tony Soprano, which really makes me think that Tony Soprano is not going to be a major player in the, in the show. But what could be interesting is seeing this kid versus what AJ Soprano is. So, yes, I'm going to leave pretty soon. But if you learned one thing today, 
I think my main takeaway is don't watch season one of The Sopranos. Someone watching the podcast right now just commented, Miranda did, that it's our Seinfeld. Someone's always watching it right now. It is our Seinfeld in that don't watch season one, at least not first. I mean, season one of Sopranos has a lot going on that's good. It's just that it's a, they didn't know they'd have a season two. So it's, it's, it's not built like the other ones. It's not epic and it's not, it, it's a, it's a comment on the culture at that time and someone's relationship with their mother rather than as the show goes on. It's kind of a comment of, I, on, I don't know, everything, you know, it's a, it, it's a comment. It's like an extrapolation of in Goodfellas when, um, Ray Otis says, see, that's what people don't understand. This, that's why we exist, you know. We're, we're protection for people who can't go to the cops. We're the cops for people who can't go to the cops. And that's, The Sopranos is like, you're watching that in real time. It's also, as someone pointed out, one of the only mob shows set in the present. Uh, at its time. Obviously, it's the past. Well, that's how excited I am about The Sopranos. And that's how excited I am to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Nick Flanagan Weekly. If you believe it or not, there are ways to support the show. Subscribe. Tell a friend to watch it. I'm on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, all that crumbs, crummy stuff. There's a Twitter, there's an Instagram. If you want to support it financially on patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan or you can make a one-time donation at paypal.me slash Nick Flanagan weekly and I'm not asking you for your money and I'm not telling you to give me your, mo- me your money but I'm saying I've screwed up a lot of parts of my life and I could use some money <laughs> I'm just kidding but I will use the money to get nice things for instance i'm making about 20 to 30 dollars from patrons right now and that means my uh cost of hosting the podcast on soundcloud is covered so the more i make the more things expenses get covered so it really helps the podcast but otherwise you can just subscribe tell your friends that's fine too all right thanks for watching thanks for listening thanks for being yourselves i'll talk to you soon this is nick flanagan weekly let me bring up the uh, theme song. Oh, man. Nick. Oh, God. Flanagan. Oh, Weekly. Oh, man. Nick. Flanagan. Weekly.